0: You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Good morning. I was in the back checking out Dave DeLuca showing off. That's great. I want to thank the the band members. They practice a lot uh, to put the service together. Let's give them a round of applause. Uh, I say that because this morning uh, we have uh, some of our... Uh, children's ministry workers and some of the kids as well. They're doing a tour of our service today just to kind of take a look and see how the service is being put together. Uh, So the sound, the music, and all that stuff. So you see a bunch of kids running around. uh, That's what they're doing. But I do want to welcome uh, those that are visiting with us as well uh, because I know we have a lot of uh, folks from our community and friends and family also. Uh, So we have a lot of movement in our our church. And uh, we have some bittersweet, you know, the The boys are moving in. They were longtime members of the West before, and it's great to have them back. Uh, I asked uh, Jason, "Why is he moving back?" He says, "I want to cut down my commute time." I said, "Is that it? Not because you love us, or but you'll grow to love us, Jason." But uh, welcome back again. A little bit bittersweet. Uh, You know, uh, the Zindlers, uh, Ken and Liliana, uh, have been with us for about seven months, and then. They were kind of a little bit on transit because they were going to go back to Florida. That's their plan. So Ken went back there earlier, but uh, where is Liliana? This is her last. Liliana, why don't you stand on up? This is uh, Liliana's last service with us here today, uh, worshiping with us. And then uh, starting next week, she'll be moving back to uh, Florida. So she's in a sense going back home. And it's great to have Zeke with us also. Uh, great to have, uh, I want to welcome some college students to our home for the first time, and uh, let me get the UC San Diego uh, college students uh, to stand on up. These guys are, they are the West's uh, representation of the UCSD uh, campus student, and uh, they are back from school. They're all freshmen. Can you tell they're freshmen? They're like, what do we do? What do we do? So, I'm just kidding. So, except for Uppsala. Uppsala is like the senior member of that posse. And then they came back. And thank you so much for driving them back safely. And it's great to have uh, Nicole and Rachel uh, back. They are the true freshmen. Um, We're starting a series uh, until the end of the year. And uh, as Mark shared about earlier, we're church building. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a piece of work. And uh, God calls us the panoply of his wisdom. Sometimes I wonder about that. You know, God counts on us as the church to get the message out to our community and to share about his message, about who he is. And I love that theme that we used to have here in the West. Uh, we come together to know God and to make him known. So the first part of that is to know God and to be known by God and to know who he is. So in the next few weeks, uh, starting today, today is in some ways a little bit of an introduction because it's a series of seven lessons Uh, and we're going to base it out of the book of Galatians on how Paul dealt with the church, uh, in uh, dealt with an issue uh, that was really monumental at that time. You see, the church in Galatia at that time, they were going through a really um, fundamental growing pain. It was a new church and they could go either way here, that the church could be an offshoot of Judaism or it was going to become its own entity. And Paul was dealing with that as you see the church struggle to find its identity as they were rebuilding themselves as well. So we're going to take a peek into what Paul did. Now, the book of Galatians is one of the most passionate letters that Paul wrote And according to a lot of theologians, it was a prelude, in some ways, to a greater book that he wrote in the book of Romans. So Galatia is more like an email, and the book of Romans is more of a developed discourse in his theology. So we're going to get a glimpse into Galatia, because Galatia, and the the, the, the book of Galatians, is so passionate, and so rough, and so raw in many ways, you really see Paul's humanity and the struggle that he went through to, to get that church where it needed to be. And I think we can relate a lot uh, to that as well. Amen? Now, what you see here is the potter shaping and forming this pot. And in, in essence, that's what Paul was doing as well uh, in the church in Galatia. It was a young church, and we're going to study a little bit about the history of it because we're going to base this... Uh, For the next few weeks. And we're going to learn uh, the the historical context of Galatia. And it's going to help us understand a little bit more. About what Paul was thinking when he wrote to them. And what the Galatians were thinking. And what must have been in, in, uh, in their minds. In Isaiah 64 it says that no one calls on your name. Or strives to lay hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us. And have given us over to our sins. You ever feel like that sometimes? where we are here to know God and to make God known. But really, sometimes to me, it's kind of tough to figure out who God is. It's hard to to go through the scriptures and to see, well, who are you, God, and what do you want from me? How should I live my life to honor you? And that's what the book of Isaiah uh, in 64, that's what Isaiah was feeling. He says, listen, God, no one calls on your name. It seems like I'm all by myself doing what I'm doing. And uh, you've given us over, even I struggle with my own sins. I don't know about you, I feel that way, even as a parent. Uh, even when Nicole's coming back and, you know, just, uh, it's great that she's gone. But when she's come back, I mean, just thinking through, you know, her 17 years at home and all the great things that went on and all the mistakes that I've made as well. But yet the, the, the challenge and the, um, the responsibility that God gives us, to teach our kids, yet we struggle with our own sins. Right? And here's how good God is. The Bible says that, but now, O Lord, you are our father, we are the clay, and you are the potter. You know, despite being feeling the feeling of alienation from God and just the insecurity that Isaiah wrote about himself and the people of Israel and Judah, he says, Listen, but you are our father still. And he says you are the, we are the clay and you are forming us and shaping us individually and collectively as well. So for the next few weeks, that's what we're going to be looking at on how God is shaping us and forming us into what we need to be, but what we need to be collectively as a church as well. And I think we're going to get a lot out of it. And really the overall theme of what we're going to be doing in the next few weeks Is under the heading of just spiritual formation, spiritual formation, forming our character and the character of the church here on the west side. You know we got a lot of great ideas for 2016. Immediately after our our time here together we're going to be meeting with the singles because the singles have gotten together and the married, the family ministry as well and we're thinking about these different mission plantings that we want to plant in our own backyard. I uh, appreciate Nick Salvados. I'm looking out. Nick is like, man, I'm so pumped up about Silicon Valley and Silicon Beach that is here in our midst. I'm so fired up about, you know, so many other places that the field that God has given us. Uh, Venice Beach is an awesome place. I went there for coffee the other day, and, and I was like, man, these are the beautiful people. This is where they're at, you know? It's like Culver City's kids, family. Venice Beach, it's the cool folks the the cool and beautiful people, if you want to go people-watch. Spiritual formation is a term that the religious world uses a lot. And it talks about, it's a great term actually, It, it, it talks about the need to really let God form us and shape us into the people that we need to become or God wants us to become. And the backdrop of just this whole series we're going to study out Galatians. That's why I want to do a little bit of a historical background on Galatians to help us to understand their world as we try to apply those scriptures to our world. In Galatians, who are the Galatians? The Galatians, known as, all these Greek words, Celti, Celtic descendants of three tribes who inhabited the land in the 3rd century in what is known today as Turkey. The Galatians were a people that were of the warrior type. They were descendants of the Celts, coming from what is modern-day France. They moved over to the east and they conquered, or they tried to conquer Greece. And they went through Greece and they had great victories. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they got stopped in their tracks. And already, if you know the Book of Galatia, you kind of kind of figure out how Paul was alluding to this, even uh, as we guess. In the book of Galatians. And these guys were like brave warrior, freedom loving type of guys, and they got stopped in their tracks. They were led by a prince named uh, Prince Terrible. What do you think of that? Prince Terrible. I, I was at a kids' party yesterday. We had a couple of those too. Uh, prince Terrible went in and uh, conquered Greece, and then they got stopped. But as a deal that was made by the king, the king said, listen, okay, can we we stop this? Can you move over further east into Asia Minor and help me establish my kingdom, and I'll let you live, we'll call it a wash. So, hence, they were people that moved over from modern-day France, the Celts, and went over to, they were Gaelic, that's hence the name, uh, Galatians, okay? Pretty interesting history. As you see the map there, modern day, um, you see on the left side, Italy, and then Greece, and then Turkey, and even on the east side of Turkey is Galatia. That's where they settled and became this community known as the Galatians. It's good to know that because it's good to know that they came from a history of like the Wild West. They were people that loved freedom. They were people that were warriors that came over from from, uh, France and then they, in the scripture in Galatians 5, it says what? It says that, you were running such a good race, who cut in on you and keep you from obeying the truth. Paul was kind of chiding them a little bit, saying that, man, you came over, you tried to conquer Greece, you almost made it. You had such a great run, but who stopped you and reminded them of their history? Isn't that cool? That just as the church is at that time, but they were running such a great race, just as it was 250 years earlier in their history, they had such a great run at conquering Greece, but who stopped them in their track? Paul was reminding them, and Paul knew his history. Paul was uh, an incredible teacher, but he knew what he was dealing with uh, in the Galatians. This is good for us to know. The timeline of the book of Galatians is that it comes right after AD 40, which is the time when they had the Jerusalem Council that talked about the conversion of the Jews uh, and the Gentiles, how the Jews were, were the people of God, but that God was opening up the doors for the Gentiles. And as you can see, Paul writes to the Galatians, 49, 57, it was a relatively young church, maybe 10 years, 5 years, or 10 year, uh, five years to uh, 8 years. In existence. It wasn't very old. So although they got off to a great start, Paul says, who ran into you and stopped you from from finishing up the race? You know, uh, I want to lift up again those those guys that, are, that did the half marathon this morning. Uh, they I guess they moved the race earlier because of the heat. And uh, they ran 13 miles today. And uh, the furthest I've ever gotten running was 10 miles that's it. I made a decision, nothing over 10 miles, because I think I'm going to die after 10 miles. But at that time, Paul used the analogy a lot of running the race to really help us to understand the concept of the race that we're in, in terms of being faithful to God. That you can start off great, but if you don't finish strong, it doesn't matter. And Paul says, you've got to finish the race. And Paul was adamant in going to the Galatians and even fighting with them, um, to get them to finish the race. Here's a basic outline of Galatians, and keep this in mind as we go through the series. Uh, can we go back? Number one, Paul's defense of his apostleship. Number two, Paul's defense of the gospel. And number three, the application. This is a really simple outline. Okay? Number one, Paul's defense of his apostleship. When I read the Bible, and especially the book of Galatians, it helps me a lot. In understanding and not worry about conflict even within the church. You know, sometimes we get a little bit rattled when we see conflict, and we go, hey, this should not be. And in some sense, yes, that's true. But if you look at the book of Galatians, if you look at the book of Corinthians, you'll see that, look, churches wrestle with things all the time. There'll never be a time when everything... Maybe there'll be a short amount of time... And then things will come up, you know, that will challenge our faith, that will help us to be more unified together. How we deal with the conflicts that come up is what defines us. It's not the conflicts themselves. Look at us today. I always boast when I share my faith in the, about our church. I say, you got to come and check it out. We got everybody under the sun on Sunday. It's pretty amazing. But if you have this diverse group of people, not just racially, but economically, where we come from, background, where we live, our history, our ancestry, you're going to get problems. You're going to get issues. But how do you solve it is crucial. That's what defines us as a people of God. You know, I grew up with four brothers and three sisters. Conflicts abound. I'm very comfortable with conflicts, to be honest with you. But at the end of the day, we are a big family. You know, my mom, she uh, she had eight kids, and she lost one. And uh, as I was growing up, uh, sometimes she would get so mad at, at me that uh, she would yell at me and forget my name. And uh, the name that she had me was, you evil spirits, get over here. And so I was known as the evil spirit in my house. But that's okay, it was said in love. It was, it was, I knew it. And as I grew up uh, with my own family as well, I get it. I think you get older, you forget names. I was talking to Mark about that a little bit uh, yesterday. We forget names, so between the two of us, we were trying to figure some things out there. Number two, Paul's, uh, number one, Paul's defense of his apostleship. Even the great apostle Paul had people doubting who he was, doubting his authority, Doubting his words? Were they really from God or was it just his opinion? So when I read this, I go, you know what? What we're going through sometimes is small potatoes. And I think we should be, at some level, be comfortable with conflict. And I know some of us grew up where, you know, like we're like the Brady bunch, you know, it's like, It's like there's no conflict in in the house. And it's like these conflicts are really small. I appreciate what Josh shared, you know, with his five degrees. I got my one little measly degree that I keep on to. But he's got five and, you know, uh, he's like, hey, look. He said, look, what? He says, my problem might be a little bit small, but you got some bigger problems. It's kind of like that. I think sometimes when we look at this in Galatia and we look at the book of Corinthians, we go, you know what? This is normal. How do we solve this? How do we figure this out? Number two, Paul's defense of the gospel. As I said earlier, the book of Galatians, they say, is probably one of the most important books in all of the New Testament. Why? Because the church at that point was at a junction where it can go either way. It was going to go the way of a subsidiary of Judaism, which was really a big, big uh, temptation for them. Why? Because Judaism at that time was the accepted religion. The Roman Empire had already accepted them and felt like, that's fine. So if the Christians were going to be under them, there was such a great temptation because they did not want to be persecuted, some of the Christians. Because in this new group, the the Romans were very suspicious of new groups. So they didn't like the new groups. So it was very tempting for the Christians to go, hey, why don't we just hang out under the auspice of Judaism and we'll be fine. And Paul says, that's not who we are. We might come from that background, some of us, there was Jewish Christians and there were pagan Christians. Um, but Paul said, that's not who we are. Okay? So that's really, really important uh, to know. And number three, as Paul is such a great preacher, there's always applications. There's always application to the theology that he gives. And even though the book of Galatians is known as what? It's known as the Magna Carta of the Christian faith, meaning that it's the book of freedom. It's the book that set people free. As a matter of fact, uh, the book of Galatians is known as Luther's favorite book. The great reformer, Martin Luther. That was his favorite book. All of his sermons came out of the book of Galatians. And yet, when we look at it further, the book of Galatians was not just a fluffy little book about free, you know, go back to San Francisco, put a little flower in your hair, and, you know, go up to the mountain and Big Bear and veg out. It was very practical. One of the list of the very specific sins in all of Scripture is found in Galatians 5:19, where Paul says we don't use our freedom—the freedom that God died for us for, that God has given us—to to, to live like that. We're not like that. Okay, so there's a maturity uh, behind there, and uh, Paul's really great at that. Theology, human contact, human the relationship, and the application as well. Amen? His theme in the book of Galatians was what? One can be justified only and, and only by faith in Christ. Okay, Paul's argument in the book of Galatians is this. Look, when we come together as an organization, any organization through time, you're going to develop a few things that you get used to. It's amazing to me how people settle in the same seat. Week after week, Year after year, it's like, this is my seat, you know, and we come in, and we sit there, and I can always tell on Sunday when I come in, oh, Nick is over there, you know, I see Karen over there, you know, and I just look out, and I just kind of know that, uh, uh, that you're there, okay, but sometimes we get, and that's okay, but sometimes we, we get used to some things, and we think that's the way it is, and it's called a tradition, And it's not, you know, it's not just a a, a useless or, you know, a harmless thing anymore. It becomes settled. And we go, that's the way we do things. Certain lingo come into our organization, right? Lingo that only we know. It's kind of like a secret society. You know, we're, we're trying to figure out on Sundays how to do our sermons. We're always inventing. We're always trying to figure it out. Should we be missional? That's a church word, too. You know, meaning that it's only for people that are visiting, introducing them to the gospel. Or is it a time when the Christians come together and we deal with stuff and we wrestle through things and people see that and they go, wow, these guys are the real things. We're always trying to figure that out. Right? Nonetheless, what did Paul say? It's faith. It's faith that really justifies. And we're going to learn that through the next uh, few weeks on what that looks like. Okay? This is our mission statement for the next Few weeks, not only in our lesson, but really for who we are in terms of what we want to be in this, this period as we study out spiritual formation. I know in the back it's a little tough. I sat there in the back a few times when I wasn't uh, preaching. And so in the future we'll get it bigger. It says, God's desire, and I'll, I'll stick this on the website too God's desire is that we become increasingly like His Son. That's our goal, Jesus Christ. Spiritual formation starts with an integral uh, internal change and results in the transformation of our whole self, including our thoughts, behaviors, and relationships. This process is in accordance with biblical standards with the Word of God being the primary instrument of the Spirit to bring about the transformation of our character, both individually and as a church. What is our church going to be known for? More like Christ. In these next two months, we will be studying out the book of Galatians as we see how Paul labored until Christ is formed in them. In turn, we too hope that we can be transformed into the likeness of Christ. That's our goal. That is our goal. Our goal is to become like him. Paul says, man, I want to become like him. Somehow knowing what it's like even in his death, I want to become like him. This is the outline. Like I said, today is a little bit of an introduction. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of the first part, which is live free. But I want to go through this and helping us to set up our minds for the next few weeks. And as we think about it in our in our groups, you know, I know we're in small groups, uh, in, um, in men and women, but uh, talk about it in our groups together. Talk about it uh, in our homes. Today we're going to talk about living free. What does that mean? We should be the most... Carefree uh, lay back, in a sense, uh, people on the face of the earth. You know, we got the most important issue that plagues mankind taken care of, and where do we go from here after we die? It blows my mind that people don't ask that question more, don't you think? It blows my mind. Intellectually, emotionally, we don't ask, people don't ask that question. We go through life as if, that's not going to happen, but it will happen. It blows my mind. We should be the most free people on the face of the earth. And I appreciate Mark. and Mark is a history guy. He got up in the morning. He read his newspaper about what's going on politically. I got up this morning. I read the same newspaper about something much, much more important. And that was, did Chase Udley do an illegal slide last night? I'm not a big Dodger fan. Sorry. Okay. Was it a bad slide? That was much, much more important to me. Okay, but politically speaking, as we're in the political season, one of really one of my favorite politicians, irrespective of his politics, was Ronald Reagan. You know what they describe Ronald Reagan as? One word. Some some historic, winsome. Okay, you, who knows what that word means? It's one of my favorite words in the vocabulary, winsome. Who knows what winsome means? It's such a great word. It's characterized by a carefree confidence of who he is and what is to come. Ronald Reagan was known as what? He was known as the Teflon president, meaning that no matter what happens, it just slides off him and he had no worries in the world. That's who we should be, I think as Christian, Winsome. Does that describe who you are? And we're going to read a little bit more about that. Does that describe who we are? Yeah, we're dealing with a lot of stuff, but in our heart of hearts, we're winsome. We're like, you know what? I got the biggest part of this problem taken care of. All this other stuff, let's figure it out. But you know what? I'm good. Okay? Number two, live free. What does that mean? We go up to the mountain somewhere and become a monk? No. We live free and we come together as a greater community. I want to lift up the Kendalls. Kendalls were the, the, the brainchild behind the, the, uh, the Harvest Festival. And they said, listen, we need to get out. You know, this is the fall festival. Let's get out. Let's, Deanna and, uh, and Troy, they've taken it upon themselves. I just check in every once in a while. Okay, well, how's it going? What's it going? You know, how's the Harvest Festival coming out? And I'm like sweating it out. And they're like, they're working day to night just to get it going. It's a great family time for us. But really the heart behind that is what? Get out into our community. Have an impact in our community, not just to do church here. Number three, as we look at the book of Galatians, how Paul challenged Peter, and they had some great, crucial conversations. You know, there are times when we look at each other, and we see the problems that we have, we go, man, how did that happen? How did that slip through? How did it become like that, whether it's in a marriage or a relationship or a friendship that's gone sour? How did that go through? And we're going to be looking at really a great aspect of what it means to be a Christian is to have great, crucial conversations together. November 8th, we're going to look into his likeness. November 15th, we're going to look at authority. biblical. We're going to explore what biblical authority is. How, you know, how does that transcend into human authority within the church. And we're going to study that out. November 19 is going to be kind of fun. We're going to look at sin, spirit, and service. Okay? And primarily we're going to be focusing in on uh, Galatians 5, where it talks about, well, what, are, what is the sin? What, what are sins? And how does the Holy Spirit help us to get out of the sin? You know, a lot of people don't preach a lot on the Spirit because it is a little bit of a, an ethereal topic. It's harder. Um, and lastly, we want to talk about service. Again, we go back to how do we serve one another and to be this community. And we close out by studying chapter 6. about us being a new creation? And what's the goal of God's spiritual formation is to be a new creation. I'm really excited about this, uh, and it's, it's going to take a lot of work, Not only on Sundays, but just as we think through it throughout the week, how do we come, as Mark says, how do we rebuild God's church here on the west side? Are you talking to me? In the next few weeks, I'll be bringing up stuff that you might be sitting there going, are you talking to me? Uh, Some of you guys are young, you don't know, this is a really famous movie by uh, um, Robert De Niro. Uh, We had Marty Fuquay. Uh, last week, Marty's a little bit like a Robert De Niro of our movement, you know, We're short, succinct, and to the point. Uh, last week, I went up to Marty afterwards and I asked him for some advice about going somewhere. He goes, if you want to go, go. If you don't want to go, don't. And I looked at him and I go, wow, there's got to be some sage wisdom in there somewhere. Okay. Are you talking to me? And the answer is yes. Yes. I'm talking to you. And, uh, you know, we know each other. I'm the minister here, right? It's been a while. There are things that I've heard. There are things that I see. That's my job. It's no offense. This is who we are. We're talking to each other. Amen? So are you talking to me? Yes, absolutely. And let me set the groundwork. If you feel like it's unfair, you feel like it's a little bit off, talk to me. Talk to me about it. I know we live in a world where social media is very strong prevalent and stuff like that in some ways it's good it's very good in some ways it's a little bit counter the christian really the christian heart behind it, talking to each other face to face and having the courage and really the love to each other and there's something about being together right we shape our sentences better because we see the reaction and uh let's really grow in that as well are you talking to me no Sometimes it's not talking about you. So don't get all like, man, all get flustered and stuff like that. Sometimes that's not what you're working on. It's okay. I'm talking to him. I'm talking to her. Lastly, am I talking to you? Maybe. Maybe the Holy Spirit is talking to you. That's something that we have to wrestle through in our own hearts. I hope that we have the humility to go, maybe. Maybe that's what God is talking about. He's talking to me. This scripture yeah, it was written 2,000 two years ago, but it's still here. It's in the canon of, of Scriptures. Maybe God is talking to me about this area in my life and to learn and to read Scripture from a humble point of view. Amen? Live free. You know, God calls us to do what? In Galatians 5, and we're going to go back to Galatians 1, it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. I have two quick points. Number one is stand firm. And number two, do not let yourself be caught in slavery again. Number one, stand firm. All right. John, are you working this or is Nathan? Did you get enough water, Nathan, during the race? I'm just kidding. Stand firm. All right? That's number one. You know, when we read Paul's scriptures here, it's pretty... Uh, can you go to the next slide? Nelson Mandela was in prison for about 27 years. When he got out in 1990, there's such jubilation in the whole country that a grave injustice has been, has been rectified. For us, that's not true. I mean, we got what we deserve. Our confidence not come from our own righteousness, but it comes from God himself amen and paul understood that as he wrote the book of galatians let's go to the next scripture it says paul an apostle sent not from men nor by men but by jesus christ and god the father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me to the church in galatia he said grace and peace to you from god our father and the lord jesus christ who gave himself for our sins who rescued us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God, our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Our confidence doesn't come from the things that we did. Our confidence, Paul says, comes from the fact that the things that Jesus did freed us. And I know this is simple, it seems like simple theology, but if we really, really believe this, it changes our lives. Paul starts off this incredible letter by stating where his confidence lie in. He says it's not because of me, but it's because of Jesus himself. And I want to focus on two words, okay? That are practical today. Grace and peace. You know, do we have that today? Does that the word grace is that indicative of the way that we treat one another. Grace. Our you know, our conversations, our our interactions with each other, are they really salted by grace? Is it is it graceful? Is it is it full of grace? Is it looking at each other through the lens of God's grace? And I think as we get older together, there are reasons for us to maybe get annoyed by one another in any group or any organization or any church for that matter. It's easy for us to look at each other through the lens. It's easy to pick on things rather than through the lens of grace. And that's what Paul starts off with. He says, grace and peace be to you. Number two, what's the next one? I'm sorry, let me go back. The second part of that was peace. Is that indicative of us as well? That when, not, not to us, but when people look at us, whether it's in our fellowship or even people in our jobs or in our schools, they say, man, grace and peace. Those are the two things that really is indicative of this brother, this person that's in my midst. You know, I don't know about you, but our service when we get together, that's only a fraction of who we are, isn't it? We come together for a couple of hours at church on Sunday. We meet together on Wednesday night, a couple of hours, right? We meet together in our family groups. We meet together in our, our, our one another time together. Overall, it's about probably eight to ten, eight hours at max that we get together. What about the rest of the time? Do those two things are what people say about us, grace and peace. Man, I, that guy, that girl, grace and peace. And it causes them to look at something and question. You know, just, man, just, just I want to know what that is. Even today, in our conversation, in our fellowship together, there are things that we probably need to talk through. There are differences in our in our church within one another that needs to be worked through. But what is the conversation like in the background? When we get together in our groups, in our groups of two or three? Is it giving the benefit of the doubt? Is it really like, let's find out what, what's the background behind this, instead of really just making our case and really having a group think, and, and where is the grace, where is the peace? Amen? That's, these are meaning things within an organization. This is stuff that we, we, we talk about and we, we're going to talk about and think through in the next few weeks. Number two, stay free. Stay free. You know, it's so easy for us to get into a pattern. It's so easy for us to go, that's the way that it's been done for years. That's the way that we're going to do it for the next 15 years. Can I tell you a secret? If we think like that, we're not going to make it. Things change. We're always growing. We're always changing. We're always adapting. We're always trying to figure out what works better. You know, I know that uh, right now there are we we have a study series in our church, and we've, we've been doing it for years. It's called the First Principles Studies. It's a very rudimentary set of studies that teaches people about the basics of discipleship, what it means to be a Christian. It's worked for us for many many years. Okay, all around the world, it's worked for us. Our movements in 1992 was deemed by Time Magazine as the most innovative Time Magazine. Not Time Asia or Time Vietnam, Time Worldwide. Uh, most innovative, fastest-growing movement around the world in terms of Greece. Pretty good stuff, don't you think? But those 1992, some of the things that we employed back then, maybe we need to adjust and change a little bit. That happens all the time. You know, Lena and I have had a chance to travel to different countries. We translate the studies all the time. There's nothing new under the sun. Don't be so like, oh my gosh, this is the new, new and greatest thing. No such thing in some ways. We're always adapting, we're always changing, we're always growing. Are we humble enough and faithful enough to God's word that we're not threatening by that? So in the next few weeks, we're going to introduce some things that go, wow. That's pretty cool. Or, wow, that's something that we need to figure out. Women's role in the church is another big thing. Okay? In the past, there are some traditions that are very strong. I talked to some professors up in Pepperdine. In their church, ten years ago, they wouldn't even think about using PowerPoint because they thought, what? It was a distraction to the Word of God. There's a point to that. But I don't think anything, there's inherent evil in PowerPoints, Do you? I don't think there's anything inherent, you know. I think there's devils and spirits in, in, like, software and stuff like that. And printers. I definitely think there are some, like, evil spirits in printers. But PowerPoint, I find it to be pretty good, okay? To really spread the Word of God, save some paper, you know, green, being green in our church. Stay free. Don't get bogged down by things that are unnecessary. Let me close out with this passage here. Paul says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion or are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Next scripture. McDonald's. We get so easily... Thrown back and forth. You know, they say that McDonald's is losing their grips on the kids of America. It's good, isn't it? But man, when my kids were growing up, McDonald's Happy Meal, that was their thing. I mean, Elizabeth and Nicole will tell you. It's like we go to McDonald's and everything is good. They get bought off by such cheap toys, I tell you. Okay? But that happens to us too. Next scripture we close on out. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I think in the next few weeks, we're going to have a great opportunity to look at some things. Amen? It's harder than you think. Because a lot of times you think, well, be like Jesus, free, hippie. Nah. Jesus, man, no place to lay his head. Don't you forget, went to the cross. Went to the cross. As we think about this, let's really pray about this next series. I think it's going to transform all of us. Amen. Thank you. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.